0: Making Romania Fit for 55, Episode 30 Welcome to the My Energy 2050 podcast, where we speak to the people building a clean energy system by 2050. This week, we speak with Radu Dudao. He is the co-founder and director of the Energy Policy Group in Romania. He is also a professor of international relations, and has extensive academic and research positions from the United States, Harvard, the UK, Oxford, along with continental universities in Germany, Denmark, and Romania. This week, we gain an insight into how Romania is tackling the energy transition. As we learn, Romania holds high potential to build a strong renewable energy portfolio with a good natural environment in the Danube Delta and even investors' interests. The European Commission wants to push the country towards 40% of renewables in the next few years. In short, Romania holds the potential to shift away from coal and embrace renewables. Before you say this episode is not for me, because, well, who really cares about Romania? Hear me out as to why I think Romania is so important to understand how and why it represents other countries struggling to develop their economies, attempting to lift people out of poverty, poverty and of course to build a modern and sustainable energy system as radu points out half the population lives in the countryside and as my week-long trip through the country showed me there's a lot of poverty and differences between the regions romania represents both eastern european eu member states but also other balkan countries who hang on to coal and nuclear power as we discussed the money from the eu means financing the transition It won't be much of an issue, but what is is the transparent and professional capacity by governments and stakeholders to properly implement projects. What we came to understand in this episode is what is happening in Romania and what the impact of the EU is in the country. This will help to understand broader challenges in both EU eastern countries and in other energy community countries in the Balkans. As I mentioned, I was in the country for over a week. My partner and I took the van and drove from Budapest to the Black Sea. We camped in the van wherever we ended up at the end of the day or even at night. All I can say is the country is beautiful and holds an impressive landscape from the views of the Black Sea with its wind farms, the biting insects of the Danube Delta. The mountains, of course, are tremendous, but so are the rivers with us rafting down one and having a very good time thanks to the extra water being released from a reserve facility producing electricity. I have to say the biggest surprise to us, and this is why we should all hold out hope that Romania can make the energy transition happen, is the roads are outstanding. It was a paradise to drive. We did 3000 kilometers from Budapest to the Black Sea and in Romania we only came across less than 10 potholes. There are more potholes in my neighborhood in Budapest than what we saw in all of Romania. And here I just want to acknowledge my carbon footprint. But hopefully by bringing my experiences to you I can begin to justify just a bit my penchant for travel and seek redemption through this podcast. When we were next to the Black Sea and saw a huge wind farm in the Danube Delta It got me thinking I needed to contact Radu. So on our way through Bucharest, we stopped in and he graciously gave this interview. I have two key takeaways. First, as Romania's roads indicate, miracles can happen. But as Radu points out, it is not a question of money to build green energy solutions, but competency and transparent governance. An effective transition requires not just a situation or a site that needs assistance but effective professional capacity on the ground with money being well spent the second is that while we discuss energy policies and both of our research is around energy the subject matter has now changed to be about climate change targets the energy system for me was never an isolated system, but an arena where a multitude of processes and issues collide and can be analyzed in a constrained manner. That's very academic. In this interview, we delve into energy policies, but there, these are connected to the climate change goals that are necessary to implement. The intent of the My Energy 2050 podcast is to spread the knowledge about how the energy system can assist our transition towards a greener future. And now, for this week's episode. Radu, I want to thank you for sitting down. We're actually meeting in person.
1: It's always uh, a pleasure, Mike.
0: Thank you. In your office at the Energy Policy Group. Group. And maybe um, at the very beginning now, do you, you explain what the EPG does?
1: Sure. Uh, thanks for, for having me in, in your uh, great podcast in the first place. EPG is uh, an independent think tank, uh, an an association uh, on energy and climate policy based in Bucharest. We've been around for seven years now. We do energy and climate policy, markets, energy markets, regulation, geopolitics, technology. So basically we're following, pursuing... uh, all aspects of of the energy field but increasingly uh from the um, vantage point of 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 its climate impact so climate policy has become the pinnacle of economic policy industrial policy Uh, everything must have fall in line it's not an option for for us anymore to, to to just neglect it and uh, not do the right thing
0: can i interrupt yeah. you there because this is what i'm sensing too is we talk about climate policy but your the name of your group is energy policy right yeah do you see the shift of this focus which was a few years ago on energy and now it's very tightly connected to climate
1: exactly so yeah that's our historical name this is how we started focusing on on energy policy and the energy field but increasingly um, first of all you, you had to acknowledge the, the immense importance of, of climate regulation in, in the energy field but then you realize that that uh, this was not just an addition but was the as I said the, the, the pillar the, the pinnacle and uh, in a way uh, energy becomes one of the domains uh, among others um, transports buildings agriculture uh, what have you interconnected uh, 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 certainly but but uh, all in all we have to to, to find paths that that uh, uh, maintain uh, uh, the prosperous lifestyle that, that we want, but also um, fulfill the needed uh, cuts in emissions and set us on a, on a net zero uh, trajectory. Mm-hmm. And then
0: maybe we can put that on a local context, just starting with Romania mm-hmm. and how how well. Um... Yeah, how well is Romania doing this? How how well is this transition? Because there's a lot of, uh, in the past, there was a lot of issues with coal mines and coal pow- power plants and privatization. Mm. Hydroelectricity is a main source. Nuclear power, Russian or Soviet era nuclear power. And how is Romania making this transition?
1: So, first of all, congrats for the excellent knowledge of the Romanian energy system, Mike. Um, y- yeah, you're right. We... We, in Romania, always like to see the, the diversity of the energy sector as a, um, as a strong point, because um, uh, it kind of allows you uh, to, to mitigate risks avoiding put putting all the eggs in one basket and so on. Uh, nonetheless, we still have, in the country, a, a pretty high dependence on, on fossil fuel. Natural gas is uh, the most important fuel if you include its use in, 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 in industry as all well, as, as feedstock. So. And then coal still provides for about 20% of electricity in, in annual average. Most of it is low-grade lignite, uh, which is uh, a ma- massive emitter and, and polluter um so we think that 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 coal phase out should be a, 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 an urgent priority but but uh, apparently it it's still not uh, a political commitment in in, in uh, our political establishment on the other hand uh, a lot of people uh, point to the fact that Romania is among the lowest emitters per capita in romania in, in uh, europe i'm sorry uh mostly because because we have we we did dismantle our heavy industries uh, soon after the tr- political shift in in the early nineties and uh, um, the economy has been reconstructed uh, um, on on a new foothold based on service services more high-tech and cleaner industries more sustainable overall Uh, not entirely of course there is still a lot of pollution and and the energy sector is still uh, the leading sector to do that buildings are also a major sector because we reckon almost 50% of primary energy gets consumed in, in buildings in Romania. It's a, a, a sizable a pool of buildings in, in pretty precarious um, conditions in terms of energy performance, as, as we like to, to put it these yeah, days. It's really bad. Yeah, yeah. And so they badly need renovation. Mm-hmm. And uh, this is going to be a ma- major challenge, considering the heating systems as well, which are inefficient and uh, also mostly based on fossil fuel, with the exception of the countryside that massively uses uh, wood fire that we call renewable energy, ironically. And um, also transports uh, have, have progress, was very limited in terms of curbing down emissions in that sector. So, you see, there's a lot to, of work to do. Uh, and uh, and uh, this will come at a cost because, because we have some very carbon-intensive regions, uh, especially the coal regions, and uh, with all the, the socio-economic challenges that uh, the clean transition uh, poses, and um, other industries as well that, uh, and incumbents that are you know connected to the fossil fuels one way or the other. Um, now the bottom line is: um, Can the energy transition or the clean economic transition, if you like, in a broader sense, provide for? Um, the the um, economic needs of, of the more vulnerable uh, social categories for the small businesses. What happens to the miners and uh, all the workers that are going to lose the jobs? And uh, can we really put in place something credible and viable? Do we have the financial wherewithal for that? These are questions frequently raised in in, in our country. And uh, we like to say at EPG that, yes, the money is not the fundamental problem right now, because we think at EU level there's plentiful funds. It's about the ability of of the government and authorities and stakeholders to... uh, access that funds to come up with with convincing smart plans with good regulations and governance structure it's a matter of competence in in, in administration and uh, uh but
0: is the is the romanian state both the i would say maybe we can separate the administration level out uh, those that implement the programs but also politically so maybe is the administration on how energy policy or how these programs are implemented is that becoming more professionalized and uh, so when there is a program put in place it's done well or has that capacity been growing over the years
1: well very good good question um some prog progress there is but not to the needed rate and uh, uh, certainly not enough to, to keep up with, with the um, magnitude of changes that, that are coming uh, from, from Brussels and uh, from, from uh, um, the uh, European institutions to which we are part. I, I should always emphasize, because, because uh, we, I always try to take it and, and dispel the notion that that these new policies are a matter of imposition or regulations that take uh, that take us always by surprise, or you know, come to to undermine our sovereignty and interests. Uh, we are, I an mean, an integral part of the EU and participant in all the decision-making, and uh, we have to stand by these policies. But leaving that aside, um, um, there, there are a number of very major financial instruments uh, that are dedicated for Central and Eastern European countries, including Romania, For the energy sector, the the most significant one is the Modernization Fund. Um, In excess of 10 billion euros um, are available through the Modernization Fund for the upcoming decade uh, for projects for for clean energy production, uh, you know, high voltage lines, batteries, digitalization, energy efficiency. Uh, but now the the, the the new proposal, the Fit for 55 uh, package actually proposes doubling uh, the, the, the size of the modernization fund. So this is going to be a lot of money. But the way to, it, it works is, is through the uh, central government, through the energy ministry, who must... Uh, come out with, with procedures to, to uh, select transparently projects, to, uh, you know, um, come up with, with support schemes. And uh, this is complicated work. And I'm sorry to say that it hasn't been done at all in Romania. So Romania is probably the only member state uh, the uh, beneficiary uh, member state of the modernization fund that hasn't submitting hasn't submitted uh, anything at all uh, uh for, for this year already we missed the first uh committee um, it's likely that that for the end of the year the same will happen so um this comes down to, to significant uh, costs of in inaction and uh
0: why, why, why haven't they submitted anything?
1: It's it's hard to see, but but uh, uh, the the more obvious and easy answer is that uh, uh, the government wasn't hasn't been able to get its act together on this. It's a complicated thing to do. You have to know your priorities, have a vision. You have to. Um, Basically, have a, a, a national strategy about how you want to spend the revenue generated from, from uh, carbon allowances, and to have that align with the uh, priorities of the modernization fund regulation. And this hasn't been done at all.
0: Are they missing the... It actually goes back to my, my question then. Are they missing the administrative capacity to properly assess and create the policies that align with the demands of Brussels? Very much
1: so. Uh-huh. That's one major factor. It's a matter of capacity. It's also a matter of, of really being able to assess the situation and uh, setting uh, your own priorities as a government to, to know how to act about this, Uh, there could be other explanations of more speculative ones, such as uh, intentionally delaying uh, in order to maybe offer uh, uh, an extended life to to the incumbents and uh, so on that's speculation that's complete (laughs) speculation nobody would uh, stand by that. no Uh, and this is this is unfortunately not the only case there are others uh, as well the the just transition fund we're also so the the basically the fund that that uh, is destined is meant to uh, uh support the economic shift in in those vulnerable areas that are carbon-intensive and that will be hit economically the moment the coal companies and other carbon-intensive co- co- uh, companies that are major regional players will be shut down. And uh, to do that, you have to come up with a plan at regional level that makes sense, is coherent, is... is has a meaningful climate impact and, and so on. This, again, is not in, uh, Isn't that happening
0: need, in the, in the Jiu Valley, the just uh, transition? Jiu Valley, Fund. but, oh.
1: but even more than, than Jiu Valley, the challenges, uh, go the Gorge County. So basically the, the lignite pays in Jiu is for hard coal. Hard coal has been, uh, just about 10 percent of, of, of the overall coal industry okay nationwide uh-huh. the main game is about lignite okay and uh, also the the hard coal, hard coal industry kind of accepted its fate already by now not the same with with uh, lignite industry and some politicians think they are doing uh, those worker a favor in saying, well, we're going to um, subsidize you and keep you alive uh, as long as possible, whereas the precise opposite happens. Um, The more you defer uh, elaborating serious plan to, to offer those people an alternative, and, and also use the, the money that you could access, EU funds, to do that, the more hard hit they will be, unfortunately, uh, at the end of the day, when when uh, the market reality will uh, hit the ground.
0: Mm-hmm. And uh, you mentioned the fit for 55, mm-hmm. and maybe we could move a bit more into that area. And this would be because uh, under this... Uh, new scheme I I've, I've only looked at it a little bit but uh basically the price for ETS is definitely going to increase and in this area of coal which we'll is say general, both lignite and hard coal that that the yeah emissions will uh, the price for emissions will really increase and so they will have to be shut down and so you're looking at that the preparation for that shutdown needs to happen now or even in the past
1: should have happened already but but uh now, as you speak, will, would also be uh, the best decision, as opposed to deferring that even for another year, because uh, just as you say, Mike, um, the price of ETS, so the the cost of carbon emission, has already become untenable for um, the. Oltenia Energy Complex which is the national lignite company this is a vertically integrated company that extracts lignite and transports it to to their uh, close uh, lignite fire power plants that in turn produce electricity but also heat for for the, the urban areas uh, and and so on and then the this has been collapsing, and uh, now it's true that, that Romania still depends on, 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 on this energy for, for its security of supply. Uh, so um, the government should not just you know uh, let them die, but also put something viable in place, namely something uh, uh, sustainable, renewable, uh, clean by all means, and uh, uh, or as as pol- as little pollu- polluting as possible. And um, again, I haven't been able to see any convincing plan uh, to that purpose. And. Uh, various attempts by, by the government to um, uh, extend loans to, to this company, uh, knowing that those uh, are not going to be paid back ever. Uh, uh, but in the area of
0: renewable energy now, Romania, I was just in Danube Delta there. There's huge wind farm there. Are there more plans to roll out more wind or
1: more solar in the country, or kind of yeah. increase? Well, the level of interest from investors is huge. It's a it's a nice surprise to see that after years of stagnating interest for that, uh, um, we're we're basically seeing a uh, you know a new wave of interest
0: um,
1: and. Um, uh, of course, the one of the reason is 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 the very high level of EU enthusiasm and ambition about that, and the money that are supposed to come with it, and the, all these instruments, and uh, uh, with the targets that that uh, all the member states will have to uh, commit to uh um, 40 percent uh, renewable energy sources will be the romania's national target which is considerably more than, than uh what what uh, bucharest committed to in the latest um relevant strategic document well, what uh, the, was the uh, necp the national energy and climate plan
0: mm-hmm. what was that level
1: uh that that was um 30.7 mm-hmm. percent and uh more recently the the energy minister announced uh just like that 34 percent uh okay we're willing to do 34 percent but even for 34 these days is not what it used to be huh? yes. uh, so we have to go much higher now We'll see exactly uh, what the, exactly the target is going to be for Romania, but the the direction is is clear and uh, the writing on the wall is clear and investments uh, feel <coughs> encouraged by that. Sorry about the noise. Uh, and um, uh, the region you mentioned, uh, Dobrogea, and then mm-hmm. uh, the Danube Delta is the most um, uh, promising in Romania for both wind and, and solar power. You have massive uh, 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 wind farms in, in, in that southeastern part of Romania. Uh, the authorities, and by that I mean the government and the uh, TSO, Transelectrica, the transport system, uh, operator, which is in charge with the high voltage lines and the national energy regulator will have to invest much, much more in increasing the, uh, the grid capacity in that region, because right now the main challenge is the congestion there, that, that mm-hmm. you don't have enough grid capacity to evacuate potentially what, what you can produce there onshore not to mention that that uh, Romania also has a non-negligible uh, wind offshore potential that that could up, could up a uh, couple more gigawatt until 2030 by our reckoning easily but for the, for that you, you absolutely have to to uh, bolster your your power grid especially in that part of of the country it's a it's a region with a low local consumption of energy and high power generation and you have to to evacuate that that power to the you know in industry centers of the country um large cities and cities and so on. And um, now this has been on on the agenda for for more than a decade. And uh, I would have liked to see more progress. There's been some progress, but there should be much more and much more uh, quickly.
0: But then is there a disconnect between what the EU is looking at for not just for 55, but just the overall climate Change targets and goals, and how each member state reaches that, and the reality here on the ground in Romania. I mean, I'm just looking at the transportation a lot of second hand, third hand, maybe fourth hand cars on the road. Uh, when it comes to uh, how people are living here, I mean, it just seems such a stretch to. Increase energy efficiency and have people move away from biomass or probably even coal for heating like there's such a huge or think about electric vehicles being used as a dominant mode of personal transportation. There seems to be this really huge hurdle. How, How does Romania? I mean, this is like maybe too much of a question, but how does Romania meet these kind of these goals or this ambition that the EU is proposing, which you could say would be viable for Germany or for France? But a country like Romania, how, how can this happen?
1: Well, it is a large question. It is uh, uh, basically you've covered with it the the decisive questions uh, <laughs> or challenges right now. And uh, I'm saying that because you pointed to rural, rural energy consumption, which is... Uh, 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 it's going to be a, a serious challenge. Uh, still, almost half of Romanian population lives in in the countryside, and uh, a lot of them, most of them, are using biomass uh, of dubious sustainability cre- credentials. Like
0: so. like garbage. I mean, you can smell it when you drive uh, through. Uh, or
1: some of that. Mm-hmm. Th- th- this this shouldn't be. Uh, um uh, it's, I think, I'm, I'm confident this is mar- marginal, okay. most of the people don't do that. They just have firewood, the uh, thing is they're burning that wood in, in inefficient stoves and so on, and uh, yeah, raising the energy efficiency of energy consumption in the countryside is a challenge, decarbonizing the heating sector is a major challenge uh the transport sector uh is a major major challenge as long as romania's doors are wide open to second and third hand the imports of cars that are discarded in western europe ironically the more ambitious you know the the restrictions and and curtailments in western europe offer for, for internal uh, combustion engine cars, the more those uh, uh, take uh, the way of of, uh, West, of Eastern Europe. and uh, So they, they do not vanish from uh, the surface of the earth. They just come here, and by here I mean Romania, Bulgaria, uh, Southeast Europe, uh, not to mention the entire Western Balkans because it's it's just much more affordable now to buy a very good German car second hand that you wouldn't have afforded otherwise. and you buy it and then bring it here and it's very cheap to, to register, pay very little pollution uh, taxes and uh, just use it for another ten years at least. Huh? So uh, yeah. Uh, As long as you don't uh, impose restrictions on that, and um, the the incentives such as uh, very high bonuses for uh, electric car purchases, 10,000 euros if you buy an electric car, plus uh, um, that voucher for, for scrapping the car. About another fifteen hundred euros, so it's a lot of money. But but uh, uh, although the market has increased, it started from a very low uh, base, and and uh, uh, and uh, um, the infrastructure is still not uh, uh, widespread enough. However, the uh, having started with that i must say there are low hanging fruits that that romania can reap and uh, um, it simply makes sense to invest in uh, in uh, recharging station in creating a a, a credible infrastructure to, to give consumer confidence that uh, it's alright to, to own a car although it shouldn't be everything about buying and owning cars. But for for most part, that will, mm. uh, this form of behavior will continue. And more generally, more importantly, uh, investing in and in bolstering the power grid uh, for transmission and for distribution. So that would allow for, for the uh, needed in, increased electrification of the economy. Mm-hmm. Uh, more and more sectors should use electricity uh, instead of fossil fuels. Um, industry as, a, as well. Um, households, if you think about uh, heat pumps, uh, uh, cars, cars. Uh, digitalization will will make uh, a difference and Romania likes to brag about its IT prowess and so on. So, uh, we're still in a a point of low-hanging fruits. There's still a lot that could be achieved by just doing things that make sense and uh, that will give you a, a pretty obvious return on investment. On others it's trickier, Uh, it needs better planning, better integration of local resources, uh, doable, but it depends a lot uh, on best practices, on capabilities that that, uh, both authorities and and, uh, the companies uh, have to acquire.
0: What's the what's the status? Because with the nuclear power in Romania, maybe we don't want to get into all, all the all the different details and start. And By stops. status,
1: you you mean the right now the status quo in terms of uh, well. well what's the future? What's the future look like? Well, uh, it's uh, it's unpredictable, I should say, uh, in spite of what. Uh, some government representatives like to declare. As you know, we have two nuclear units in Chernovoda. On the way to Bucharest, you 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 pass nearby. Yeah. Uh, But you you might have also noticed the 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 spots where two new nuclear units um, should be constructed, built. And uh, this has been a long standing plan, and the cov- current government and authorities are still entertaining the idea of investing uh, at least seven, eight, nine billion euros to build two nuclear units of Kandu type, so nuclear technology, just the same as the other two, which is not. Particularly efficient to, uh, at, for today's standards, and, and also. This is based on Soviet technology. Uh, no, no, Russian, it's Canadian. Or, well, Canadian. It's uh-huh. Canadian uh-huh. technology, uh, but but you know, it's the technology of the seventies. It's it's good and safe technology in terms of nuclear industry. Uh, they had a very good safety record so far. Uh, in terms of hazards uh, i mean uh, what we're seeing though is is increased unforeseen interruptions shutdowns and so on no no you know public health risk or anything like that because the but, current units are old uh, they, they are well maintained uh, so the you know being obsolete is not the issue here um, but but uh, apparently, uh, minor things keep keep uh, happening and heaping up, and uh, you have the allegedly most uh, reliable source of energy, basically having to withdraw one u- nuclear unit. It's, it's uh, of a out of a. Uh, an average contribution of nineteen percent to the uh, mm-hmm. uh, power mix. One unit means you know, almost ten percent. Yeah. So it's it's huge. You see the dent. You see the impact. But coming back to, uh, to the investment plans, um, we we at EPG see very little prospect for. Uh, in economic terms, uh, for that to happen, yeah. because it's it's going to be hugely expan- uh, uh, expensive. Uh, using money that that you can at best uh, uh, borrow from uh, probably from from the United States, based on the most recent. Uh, uh, agreement within the strategic partnership that the US is going to finance the construction, um, you'll have to pay back an interest to that. Uh, whereas uh, a lot of competing technology, uh, just as low emission, is already, you know, in itself. Um, more affordable in terms of costs per kilowatt-hour, uh, kilowatt so what we like to call LCOE in uh, energy economics. But add to, to this that, 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 that most of the EU funds go to these other sources, which will drastically decrease the costs for, for such investments or rather redistribute them mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. at system level. But um, it's, it's very, very hard for us to see how uh, building two new nuclear units uh, of the same sort can make economic sense uh, uh, presently, not to mention that uh, as years go by, you know, this will make uh, ever less economic sense Mm -hmm. and more broadly
0: maybe we could just shift it to the southeast of europe uh, and how how do you see these eu policies affecting essentially the energy community countries Mm -hmm. um, and this bigger push now uh, with these climate change goals Mm -hmm. uh, will they be able to to meet meet these goals or how ambitious is it? Because if they're members of the energy community, they have to align with EU goals, but
1: there's no enforcement mechanism no. either. Yeah, that's exactly right. That Yeah, that's the issue. And um, um, this is why um, while there has been some progress um, uh, country after country uh, opened the, uh, their arms to, to Chinese investments in, in new uh, coal power plants, allegedly mm-hmm. less polluting. Um, so a mix of, of um, political cronies when poor planning, Uh, And the hope that at the end of the day, they're going to be able to sell that power uh, to the EU. Because they don't have to pay ETS, uh, carbon allowances. And um, uh, indeed, Romania and other countries uh, in Southeast Europe have at times imported electricity from Serbia... From Ukraine, um, and um, now uh, the game changer is going to be this uh, CBA mechanism, uh, the carbon border adjustment mechanism, mm-hmm. which will apply to to electricity by by all means. And uh, um, and why do why do you think the commission wants to do that so much?
0: I mean, that's kind of across the board. This carbon emissions um let uh, say tax simply um and so they want to do this not just in energy but also goods uh, as well yeah i,
1: I think mm-hmm. they, they will start with the limited range of goods and uh, uh, from what we know that they're going to start with steel and then some uh, um particularly carbon intensive uh, products that that uh, will, will have to be taxed and um do you think that's meant to foster greater production
0: of those goods in the eu or a cleaner production of energy within the eu
1: to stimulate the well the, the, the thinking is is cleaner uh of, the industry wants protection as well because uh if you talk to the industry, they want both the protection of the CBAM and a, and a, a continuation of free allowances, which is absurd and unjustified. Um, but they are right in 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 uh, in needing to see a, a, a convincing mechanism because it's uh, really they uh, they lives and livelihoods are at stake here. I mean, they're not going to be able to survive if, if um, uh, they will have to keep paying an exorbitant price of the uh, CO2 emissions, whereas their direct competition will have to pay nothing. And, uh, but the bottom line is uh, CBAM will, will have to give them confidence that they are really protected. Yes. Uh, So uh, that there there are no loopholes or that the protection is not too flimsy uh, and so on. Because if they don't get that confidence, they will fight it tooth and nail and probably tear it down. And uh, so a lot is at stake in, in the nitty gritty You know, the detail, and in particular, CBAM is going to be a major, major uh, administrative hurdle, potentially a bureaucratic bureaucratic nightmare uh, seen with hostility, uh, not from from, um, um, companies, but by countries and regions from other parts of the world, who will definitely see that as a protectionist mechanism, and uh, um, WTO must uh, will have to approve it as well. And then you know, doing all this, the EU will have to, to prove their uh, keep their credentials and say, well, no, this is really about about leveling the play field, and uh, and in fact, you know what. If you're a company in, say, Asia, Indonesia, I don't know where, and you produce uh, steel or aluminum that you want to sell in Europe, we're going to tax you, all right, but that money will go back to your government. It's not money for for the EU. It's money that we'll take and make sure that it's going to be reinvested in clean, technology in your country so we want to have um, hurdles uh, um, equally high but uh, it's fundamentally a fair game and you can you can stand to benefit but of course uh, it's going to be very tricky because it can potentially be... be circumvented cheated on
0: is this an attempt by the eu to kind of match china uh through foreign investment uh, but but do it in such a way that yeah it's climate related clean energy related and then channeling that money back into foreign energy projects like china you just mentioned financing coal power plants
1: well, in a, in a way, uh, considering that that the EU has become a pretty small emitter of CO2, about 8% of total CO2 emissions come from Europe, which is pretty low compared to giants such as China, the United States, North, North America in general, and, and so on, it, it seems almost uh, pointless to... to uh, you know incur all these huge costs and efforts to, uh, but the thing is europe definitely wants to keep a a, 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 a high-tech edge and and, and 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 an industrial base in Europe they want Europe wants to be able to produce the industry and 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 uh, infrastructure and, and facilities, installations of the clean transition and not just import import them from abroad. And to do that you have to give the industries producing them the comfort that it, that it pays investing in, in being efficient and, and technologically cutting the edge and will protect you for that. Otherwise, they will just go away with with, uh, manifold detrimental effects. There will be carbon leakage, uh, as they call it. That is, the carbon that you wanted to tax here simply be emitted elsewhere in a jurisdiction of lower taxation where there are no costs on carbon. Plus, you destroy your own competitiveness and uh, industrial base. It's, it's, it's really a, a, uh, an existential year and I, for, for that reason, I think the commission and uh, the other authorities will pay very uh, good attention to how the mechanism is implemented. Uh, they will have to, to you know juggle many balls at the same time mm-hmm. with this.
0: And last time we spoke we had a really good discussion on geopolitics including russia mm-hmm. and and maybe we could tie it into that just to f- conclude is how, how how is this perceived or how could this affect gas relations mm. with with Russia mm. uh, having having this border tax basically
1: um So Russia will, will still remain a, a major source of gas uh, for, for the EU and, and for Southeast Europe. Romania is unfortunately becoming increasingly dependent on, on imports of, of Russian gas. And um, uh, on the longer term, certainly the, the threat to Russian gas establishment is the very fact that the natural gas will be... Um, less and less um, incentivized and accepted and used in in the EU economy Uh, by various means uh, gas is starting to be curtailed uh, uh, eliminated as as an industry because uh, it is at the end of the day even if some see it as a transition fuel, it is a fossil fuel, and uh, it's simply not worthwhile putting a lot of money in in infrastructure and facilities that are uh, going to probably end up as stranded assets, uh, never able to return the value on investment. And, uh, because they will not have the needed uh, lifetime for that. So uh, that's a risk for, for, for Russia, certainly. Mm-hmm. And uh, they have all sorts of responses to that as uh, uh, whether they are credible or, or not, it, it may be too soon to, to assess, but you know we'll export hydrogen uh, to Europe. If you want hydrogen, we'll give you hydrogen. But then that that hydrogen will have to be clean. Well, we'll clean it up before. Just tell us what you want and we'll prepare for that. So Russia um, still depends extensively on on the European market. And uh, natural gas is a tremendous asset. Uh, Still politically effective, not only... um, an, uh, an economic um, good for them, and uh, uh, they'll try to adapt to, to the new realities of the of the EU market for, for that. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. So uh, Russia still remains and likely will remain the, kind of an energy powerhouse or exporter for for the EU, regardless of the energy requirement or the, the natural I, I think, resource.
1: And, uh, for by some measure yes but certainly much less than, than than this used to be the case 10 years ago or more mm-hmm. uh for for uh, several reasons the energy transition itself uh, uh, leads to increased autonomy and uh, uh, self-reliance because renewable energy sources and uh, resilient systems and and so on simply uh, work on on locally produced energy, power, but also because, because the EU if they were effective at anything, they have been effective at regulating and uh, uh, the natural gas industry, the, the pipelines uh, uh, were heavily regulated and uh, a lot of the old uh, style business model uh, of Gazprom has collapsed. Mm-hmm. Uh, and. Uh, uh, you you see still leverage with some governments uh, on the uh, southeastern flank uh, with Turkstream and then um, um, Bulgaria Serbia and, and uh, Hungary yes uh, which uh, is a staunch collaborator of Russia on energy matters um, and uh, also the Nord Stream 2 saga uh, threatened to, to really affect the, the transatlantic relations, and it's still not ended completely. Uh, we'll have to see how how this will end up, um, but I think these, these, this is a game of diminishing relevance. This is my assessment. Of course, not for all purposes. I mean, it can well be that that uh, Ukraine, for instance, uh, um, will, will really be vulnerable to, to, to all this. But um, for the broader Russia-EU relationship, I think um, um The EU is on a much stronger and firmer uh, uh, foothold than uh, they used to be. Mm -hmm.
0: So times are changing. Energy changes not just in our geopolitical assessment of energy relations, but also technological assessments and policy assessments. If there
1: is one more element I would like to add on on precisely this point is... um, the discussions about the critical materials that you need for these industries, like like you know, nickel and lithium for batteries and rare earths, most of which are concentrated in China, and this is a critical issue. Uh, and I think many are overly optimistic in Europe as to the ability to supplant them quickly. This might not be the case, and uh, this can, can really you know, uh, slow down f- uh, for a while the, 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 the speed of the energy transition because the, the cost will have to increase if, if you see the steep curves, uh, uh, price curves for, for all these materials and uh, um, the mining, processing capacities will have to be expanded widely diversified geographically. And this this will take time, and um, uh, I think this is a genuine worry. Of course, research, uh, high-level research, will try to come up with with all sorts of substitutions, but uh, I think um, um, considering the very narrow uh, time frame that that, that we're, uh, we're having, um, this is the more serious challenge these days than Russian gas.
0: Mm-hmm. It's finding the materials for the yeah. transition.
1: Yeah, and making sure that that uh, you will have w- 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 enough raw materials for for the um, uh, clean energy industries, uh, clean technologies. To keep up with this hugely ambitious boom of investments and uh, development, Uh,
0: do you think do you think um,
1: this will be?
0: I really want to conclude, but we keep getting more questions. Do do you think this will be an uneven development in the EU?
1: Uh, in terms of access to yeah, in terms uh, of
0: both access to yeah. resources and who benefits from resources yeah
1: yeah yeah it's a fair question and a good question. Uh, of course, there there is also the lingering dissatisfaction and uh, uh, suspicion in, in in Eastern Europe. Uh, say that that the very configuration of of the technological transition favors the technology and industry hubs of Western Europe, yes. and uh, that will end up being buyers and that. And um, this is a genuine concern. Of course, there are funds for research, for, but but this are seen as you know, cosmetic cosmetic devices. Uh, having said that, it it's true that that um, um the uh, governments in the region are increasingly concerned about localizing value chains and this was not the case that this level of awareness in the previous wave of investment in renewables like 10 years ago but now you have much more concern about that with the go- local governments and they say once you well you we have to create jobs we have to internalize part of the value chains we have to do it at least at least parts and equipments and and uh, and create skills and then become relevant in in this whole edifice and this i think this is a very sound approach and you have to put in place a a smart industrial strategy to do that and uh uh on the other hand, it's also encouraging that more than in the past, uh, major international companies understand this trend and, and try to cope with it. Uh, of course it's not it's not easy to, to for 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 let's say a major da- Danish wind company uh, or producer wind turbines to say to. Danish workers well, will produce stuff in Romania and not here anymore. But at the end of the game, there has to be some sharing uh, and um, uh, I think what the market itself cannot provide, then some regulation should because uh, this this level of transformation cannot be cannot succeed unless it enjoys a sound level of popular acceptance and support.
0: Mm-hmm. And part of that is centralization, decision making, but also, yeah, building the public support, which is another question. I'll I'll leave it there. <laughs> I I just my my final 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 question is: What is the energy system you want to see in 2050, or Whoa. what is likely?
1: Uh... <laughs> Yeah as you know I conditioned myself to basically not see past 2030 on, uh, other than than the very broad trends so we know it's going going to have to be zero net zero carbon uh net zero is is really a whole new world and uh, you you'll have to see a lot of carbon sinks so We'd like to think that we'll live in a world with with widespread forests and uh, a lot of green, but also, you know, um, CCS facilities for for some economic sectors that with um, hard to to abate emissions, uh, like some industries, and uh, you'll need that too, probably. Um, uh, I'm not sure that that we'll see, we'll keep seeing um, uh, weed farms spinning everywhere, uh, and it's it's still a possibility that that major breakthroughs of in the energy uh, pr- producing technologies can can occur, that will will change the landscape. I mean. Uh, It's hard to to still be a believer in, you know, uh, nuclear fusion for energy purposes, but uh, considering the rate of progress. Yes. But what if? I mean, that would be a a game changer. Shall we see much more efficient uh, solar panels? Will the coatings of buildings themselves, uh, you know, the paint on buildings, be in fact uh, energy generating and uh, so this is the technology part and some like to see that and picture ever more futuristic things others want to see change communities people with drastically changed behaviors uh, more frugal probably more aware anyway relying more on, on 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 smart community organization mm, more local mm. more local probably a, a, a continuing trend towards urbanization and developing urban centers because apparently large cities are all in all better e- equipped to, to both adapt and, and mitigate and um yeah, the way what we what we eat and uh, what we wear and how we move uh, from A to B uh, and and uh, habits that we'll have and uh, we'll see how rational people will become if they will like to to, to uh, always make sure that they neutralize their carbon impact after every trip and so on, yes. uh, you know, minutiously. And so. I don't know, but it's certain that we'll have to see a mix of bold technology changes and behavioral changes and, and, and uh, a complete uh, uh, phase-out of, of fossil fuels by then.
0: Mm-hmm. okay great Radu thank you so much thanks so well, much
1: always a pleasure and uh, fascinating discussion from, from my angle too so, yeah so no, I appreciate
0: I, that I love this thank you very much thank you. thank you thank you for joining us for this episode we produce the My Energy 2050 podcast to learn about cutting edge research and the people building our clean energy system if you enjoyed this episode or any episode please share it The more we spread our message of the ease of an energy transition, the faster we can make it. You can follow us on LinkedIn, where we are the most active on the MyEnergy2050 webpage, or on Twitter and Facebook. I'm your host, Michael LaBelle. Thank you for listening to this week's episode.